Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 160 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Shinoa Halupzak. Shinoa is from Sammamish, Washington, where she is retired and enjoys spending time with her grandchildren. Welcome, Shinoa. Hi, Jen. So nice to be. Did I say everything right? Like right <laughs> in the middle of it, I think I was, your name first and last and where you live all just are not flowing off my tongue. So I want to apologize. My whole life in school, when the teacher stopped at roll call, I knew it was me. It was you. <laughs> yeah. And then you married someone with the last name that was also tricky. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did indeed. Yes, I did. So anyway, it's a beautiful name if I said it properly. Shanoa Halupzak. You said it 
perfectly. Yay. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. And this is the first time we've ever face-to-face talked, but you've been active in the Delay Don't Deny community and worked as a moderator. And so I feel like I know you, but it's good to get to know you even better. Yes. And I feel the same way. It's fun to actually see your face while we're chatting here. It's nice. Absolutely. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So in 2019, New Year's, you know, everybody's making their resolutions. Right. And I'm, I have to be honest, I'm not a big resolution person because I don't like not meeting my resolutions. But thinking about it at that point, I had hit my highest weight that I've ever been. And I thought, I need to do something seriously. And so all of my friends were kind of starting keto. And I thought, well, I'm going to do keto for a while. And I didn't really know what keto was. I just did what I thought it was for about a month. (laughs) What did you think it was? (laughs) Just, you know, a lot of fat and carbs, you know, I mean, just generally, stupidly thinking that. But I did lose some weight. So that was like, well, this is kind of fun. But at the same time, I didn't like what I was eating. And I have my husband is anaphylactic to poultry and scaly fish. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone being anaphylactic to poultry. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not fun. So I can't make anything with chicken broth or if I'm cooking for the family, it's really limited. And also at the same time, my grandson living with us is anaphylactic to all dairy. Oh, wow. I had all these restrictions already and eating keto with more restrictions just didn't work for me. So I kind of gave up on keto. And um, I also am a 15-year Um, breast cancer survivor. The last 10 years have been metastatic. And so I really wanted to focus on eating well for my health. And I'd kind of given up on weight loss because I'd never been overweight until I was diagnosed a second time with cancer. And so I I was trying to figure out what's what's going to be good for my body. And I keep hearing a little bit here and there about intermittent fasting and fasting being good for your health. And so in June, and I keep trying to remember how I first found you guys, you and Melanie and the podcast, and I can't remember, but I started listening to the intermittent fasting podcast from the first one I just started and, you know, went through those in about a week. And that's when I, then I bought your book and I started fasting immediately, just jumped right into it. Now explain what you mean. I'm not 100% sure myself, not being a cancer expert. What do you mean by the, the past 10 years, it's been metastatic? So when I was 37 years old, I was diagnosed with um, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was stage two, but it had gone to some lymph nodes. So I went through full treatment for that surgery, chemotherapy, radiation. And at the five-year mark, my blood was good, but my doc, my husband was retiring and my doctor said, let's have, take this great insurance you have and get a baseline, a PET scan. And when they did the PET scan, they found cancer cells that had moved to a different part of my chest wall. So at that point, because it had moved and came back, it was determined to be metastatic breast cancer. Okay. Meaning just that metastatic that it had moved from one, one place to the other. Correct. And at that time, you know, my diagnosis was not good. I had a very aggressive cancer that young people usually get, young women. It was hormone-driven. It was 
HER2 positive, which is the really aggressive cancer for young women. And my diagnosis was, you know, a little scary. It's not fun to be diagnosed as metastatic. No. As you can imagine. And I think at that time, you know, I was determined that I would survive, but I also kind of, because I wasn't overweight at that time either. I decided that, you know, I don't have much time here. I'm going to enjoy life. You know, I want to eat what I want to eat. I'm going to ride my horse every day. I'm going to travel and just do everything. And my weight just skyrocketed. And, and I also went through treatment. Once again, I had another surgery. I went through chemo again. I went through radiation again. So that just all really wreaked havoc on my body and all the steroids that you're on during all that stuff. So I, I gained about 40 pounds at that point. Okay. But they eradicated that reoccurrence of the cancer. So far, I am no evidence of disease. Yeah. That was that was what I really, I wondered if, if, if by 10 years metastatic, you meant that it was still, no, but it was that experience and then, okay. Yeah. And I always want my doctor to say, well, that, that diagnosis is gone. Right. And she once said to me, I don't really know what to do with you because I don't have patients who survived what you survived. Wow. So that, you know, then I feel like I'm really on this journey of finding my health for myself. So you you really beat those odds. I did beat the odds at that's, this moment. That's awesome. And um, happy to be here. So you go through rechecks every every year now. Yeah, every Still year. Every year. Okay. Yep. And and that and clean, clean so far. So far, awesome. Well, I can see why intermittent fasting would be a great adjunct to a healthy lifestyle. You know, when you're you're attempting to not see a recurrence of of your cancer. What does your doctor say about? intermittent fasting? Well, the exciting thing was, is so that summer, June, I started fasting. In August, I went to a metastatic breast cancer conference that was given by the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance and the Fred Hutch Cancer Care Center. And the doctors there were all promoting intermittent fasting for their their patients. And for me, that's when it really kind of clicked that this is really what I want to do. And a couple of my doctors, they were on board with it, you know, as long as I was being healthy about it and not just restricting calories, but, you know, really using it as a tool to focus my nutrition in a smaller window. And as a matter of fact, um, my homeopathic doctor that I see, I had a phone call with her because I couldn't go in. And she said, your blood is so amazing right now. Your markers have all reduced and improve so much. What are you doing? And your weight has gone down. And as we were talking, she ordered your book. (laughs) Kind of going on about, I said, look, I'm doing, you know, this delay, don't deny. And it's working. It's just, it makes sense. And it's easy to follow. And it's really working for me. And I think that it gives a tool to, to patients who just feel like they're stuck. You know, you start feeling hopeless. I mean, I've, I've, like I said, I had given up on weight loss. I just came to this for the health benefits and the weight started falling off. You know, that that really is true. I can only imagine, you know, I've I've not been through a a real health scare beating the odds like you have, but I can imagine, you know, first after you went through it and then beat the cancer the first time, then five years later, here it is again, and you just feel like you know, gosh, why is my body doing this? It's almost like your body has betrayed you. Did it feel like that? 
I said that so many times. I said, I'm either the healthiest sick person I know or the sickest, healthiest person I know. Right. Because I felt healthy. I mean, I when I was first diagnosed, I was training for a marathon. I was running. I, you know, don't do drugs. I don't drink a lot. I enjoy life, but I felt like I was eating well and doing all the right things. And so I did. I felt like, wow, my body is really betraying me. <laughs> Why? But you have to kind of get over that pretty quickly and, and move forward. And, you know, I actually, the book that I'm just finished and submitted to my editor last week, we really are living in a different time now with, with the toxins that are around us. And, you know, it, our body is just doing the best it can to keep up. But we're, you know, we can't even, it's not our fault. We're I, just bombarded with all these chemicals in a new way. Yeah, I agree. All of my grandmothers lived till their mid, mid to late 90s. No cancer at all in my family. So I was like the first one to pop up with cancer. I agree with you. I, I figured that this is my environment. Even though I was raised kind of out in the country and my parents always had gardens and we always had the fresh meat from our grandparents and farms, fresh eggs. I mean, everything was fresh, but there was something there that I, you know, was exposed to. I, I, I truly believe in more and more people you hear now with cancer. And our body's just doing the best it can with in this onslaught of of new things that we just we're living in a chemistry experiment basically is yes, is what's happening and we don't even realize it and so yeah. that my eyes have been really opened through through doing the research and just how pervasive it is and so every little step we can take can help and and fasting is such a huge part of that so you started the fasting in June of 2019 correct and and at that time it was just for the health benefits. It was. You don't remember where you heard about it, but you came to the podcast. You know, I think probably just reading, you know, it was pretty it about. Was in the news a lot, right? Little bits and pieces here. And I probably just Googled it because that's usually what I do is go start Googling. And I found your name and, and I mean, literally like bought it all book, <laughs> you know, all the, start listening to all the podcast and it just made so much sense. It really did. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. 
Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Well, I love, love, love more than anything, hearing that the at the conference that the doctors were all talking about it. That's huge. That helped me because as you know, you know, people are like, you're doing what? What you're fasting? What does that mean? You know, you're starving yourself. And early on, I had talked to my mom about it. And I said, I'm not, I, I am getting fewer calories just because you're not grazing all day mindlessly, but I'm not restricting my calories. Right. I said, so what I'm doing, mom, is you're taking, you know, 2000 calories and eating it throughout the whole day. But I'm taking that same amount of calories and I'm putting it in a window and then not eating outside that window. So I'm not restricting. I'm not trying to starve myself. And, you know, a lot of people kind of think that that's what you're doing. That is the perception that the perception for people who have not read about it or you just heard little snippets here and there. And, you know, those articles that you'll see that are so terrible that people write, like, I tried intermittent fasting for three days and this is what happened. You know, there's headlines you see. And they're like, and I was hungry and it was terrible. And then I quit, you know. <laughs> well, and you, you see it as a moderator too. And it's it's hard, you know, it's hard to see someone, you know, they're struggling. You'll see the person who's struggling and not losing the weight very fast, but they probably have a lot of healing to do. Or you see the person who loses a ton of weight right away, and then two weeks later, like, this doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> right. Well, just like today, you know, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I'm still on Instagram, and I don't do a lot on there. But just today, I went, and there was somebody who had found something I'd posted and had a question. She's like, hey, I've been doing intermittent fasting for three weeks. I'm doing 16-8, and I haven't lost any, any weight yet. What should I do? Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> no. Fast feast repeat. Get get a copy. Read that because not to be flippant, but I would not expect someone to have lost weight in three weeks of sixteen eight and and very very clear about that throughout the book. Exactly. Well, and I'm even in a four hour window, you can eat all the wrong food and not lose weight. Yep. And even in three weeks, so if someone who's just starting out, I'm not even the fact that she was doing 16-8, but if someone was three weeks into a four-hour window, you might not right. lose weight because your body's overcompensating because you're extra hungry, you're eating more food, overeating because you're not well-fueled during the fast yet you're not adjusted. I mean, once you understand all that, it makes sense. You know, I remember my early days when I... You know, I was going with the Fast Five, Dr. Burt Herring's book, a big fan of his, and he called it compensatory overeating. And he didn't really explain about being fat adapted, or maybe I missed it. That's possible. <laughs> but, you know, the whole idea of being fat adapted and letting your body adjust so that you're well-fueled, he just said, you're going to have compensatory overeating. Right. And so just knowing that helped. But, you know, it explains why you're not losing weight at the beginning. Exactly. And, you know, fortunately, I did lose weight even though I didn't expect it. Right. That's a nice bonus. It is a bonus. But a lot of my friends, when I lost weight, who knew me, you know, pre-cancer, they were worried about me. They're like, are you okay? That was the first thing they all asked me. But my tennis friends who didn't know me before that, 
were like, wow, what are you doing? Your skin is glowing. You have so much energy. You are happier on the court. You know, what's going on? And, and then, well, I read this book and delay, don't deny. And uh, I'm following that lifestyle. I'm delaying my food for a period and I'm not denying myself because I do, I do still like junk, even though I know it's not good for me, but I delay it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, I like to describe myself as clean-ish, right? We're not a hundred percent. We eat real food. You talked about you grew up on real food. Yeah, I did grow up. We did not snack as kids. I mean, my mom baked, but we weren't snackers. And I, I hate that word snack. (laughs) It's like, because I wasn't a snacker and I didn't, my kids didn't snack either. I mean, we had a meal, you sat down, you ate your meal. And if you were hungry, you could have a piece of fruit or some vegetable, you know, carrot sticks, go out in the garden, pick a carrot, eat that. That's kind of what we did. Or go skim some cream off the milk and make your own butter, you know? Ooh, that sounds amazing. There was a process to it. So it wasn't just like go in the cupboard and grab chips. That was a special treat once in a while. So I did grow up that way. and, And my mom was great about not doing that. So when I had kids, I didn't, my kids weren't snackers either. My kids are all very lean and tall, like my husband. And now I am too. Yay. But we weren't snackers. So we'd go to soccer. Well, who brought snack? And I'm like, snack? Who needs a snack? Why do you need See, a snack? I was raised to be a snacker. That's so funny. I'm now like going back in my childhood. My mother always gave me snacks. Yeah. No, I never had. She's a grazer even now. She's like, I can't do intermittent fasting because I have to eat a lot of frequently. <laughs> yeah. But she raised me to eat frequently all the like, and I can remember she would pick me up from school some days and she was a dance teacher, which you know people know. And so we would have dance classes. So she would pick me up from school. We would go to the dance studio, but we always had a snack on the way. Yeah, never. And she would pack <laughs> food. We would eat food like in between classes, we might have a snack and then we would have dinner later. That was, yeah. Snacking was a big part of what we did. Well, and I think it is a big part of our society now. Now it is. Everything is grab and go, grab and go. And and our students, you know, I was a teacher and the students are never like an hour away from it, more than an hour away from a snack. Like really, we'll go on a field trip and they'll be like, here's the snack before we get on the bus. Here's the snack for the bus. Here's the snack for after. Yeah. Yeah. We train the kids to do that. It's too bad actually, because... I mean, the kids need to eat, but they need to eat healthy food and not fill up on the junk. Eat a healthy dinner, you know. Well, the snacks we were giving them on the school bus was like goldfish crackers or it was not the, it was definitely not carrot sticks. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? Things have changed so much. And I hope that, you know, we evolve again and go back to, you know, now that we're learning how bad processed food is. And so I, you know, I say I like to eat junk once in a while, but I'm, I actually do eat pretty clean. And since fasting, even more clean. Just my body feels better when I eat that way. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that's the part that shocked me so much is, you know, making the changes to eating real food and how much better I feel. Right. And, mm-hmm. I'm a- and when, I, when I'm out of town and, and having to eat in restaurants, like I really do not want to eat frequently in restaurants it's because tough. it's hard to find the food that makes you feel good. We travel a lot. So that was um, definitely... Now, not with COVID, obviously, but right. before that, we we traveled a lot. It, I will say the one thing with the traveling for me, I ate pretty good during the you know travel when I first started fasting, and I also found that what happened is I would always have a reset after traveling. So maybe I ate a little bit more, 
And then I'd come home and go back to my smaller window. But every time I lost weight. So that showed me because we travel so much, it showed me that my body needs a constant reset. I don't follow um, any one window. I kind of go all over the board and I really have learned to listen to my body and what it needs on a given day and to try not to become really stressed out about that. You know, I don't want to overthink, gosh, I'm, I'm really hungry today. My body needs something. So feed it something good. Don't just mm-hmm. try to push I, That through. is a great, a great thing to, to point out. Just last week in the Delay Don't Deny Social Network, one of the members was like, I'm having all of a sudden a hard time. I've been fasting for, you know, X number of months. And um, she asked this in the Ask Jen group. And she's like, and all of a sudden, I'm like, really, really hungry. What's wrong? I'm like, well, have you tried just having a day where you eat more food? And she's like, no, because we're so used to feeling guilty if we have a healthy appetite or if we're hungrier. Right. And part of learning to listen to your body through intermittent fasting is understanding when your body is like telling you you need to eat more food, that doesn't that isn't something you have to push through. Exactly. Or tamp down because we're so used to just like, well, I'm going to work through this hunger and push it down and ignore it. But really, your body is is telling you to eat more. And that's what you should do. Right. And when people push through that and they raise their cortisol levels, that's just actually making it worse for them. You know, it's what I find for myself is now that I'm kind of following Marty Kendall and, you know, testing my blood sugars, if I push too high my blood sugars are going up, which you're thinking, well, no, they should be going down because I haven't eaten, but they're actually going up because I'm stressed. My body is stressed. Well, and that liver's dumping that glycogen too. So it's coming from coming from your liver. So yeah, that confuses a lot of people as well. Like, where's this blood sugar coming from? I didn't eat anything. Well, it's in your body. It's pumping it out to... And your body is trying to keep you alive. Exactly. <laughs> so help... At all times. At all times. Help your body keep you alive fast but fuel properly. You know, that's probably my biggest takeaway. You know, a lot of times you'll see people getting more and more restrictive and that's not always the answer. Sometimes it's maybe it's time for you to actually look at what you're eating and have a little bit more of the better quality and not be so restrictive. Exactly. The answer is not always go to a shorter and shorter and shorter window. Right. And honestly, I really think my, I've just naturally done it. Even when I tried to do a five-hour window every single day, you know, I talked about this in um, Fast Feast Repeat. There was back in 2016 when Cal made the app for me and I was first using it. I was like, I'm going to have a perfect month where I stick to five hours or less every single day for the entire month. And I never had one. Even when I made it a goal, I didn't because I naturally, you know, have a day where I'm flexing and then one day it's shorter and one day it's longer. And so, you know, I guess I'm not good at (laughs) having that consistent restriction. I just am like, no, I'm going to eat more today. But that actually has been a blessing. Yeah. And I'm the same Instead of lack of willpower, it's actually a good thing. I agree. I'm the same way. And I think that I just recognized early on that that's better for me. Um, personally, and that, you know, you have people who can fast for 22 hours and somehow get in there a huge amount of calories and, you know, that one meal and do just great. And you have people, you know, who actually can eat for eight hours and do just great. So, you know, finding and really listening to yourself 
your body and, and taking this as a journey and not just the quick weight loss. So I think because I had no expectations to lose weight on this, but was trying to do it for my health and that the weight came, I was much more patient with the process. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And just to go back to what you said, no one should feel like what they're doing is wrong if it's working. If someone is doing 22-2 every single day, day in, day out, and it feels good, and they're consistently, slowly, steadily, you know, losing weight like they want to, and they feel great, and they don't feel like, you know, they're having to overeat in that time, and it's working, there's no reason to stop doing it. It's just if they notice they're plateauing, you know, where they're at a higher weight than they think is right, that's when you may want to start, you know, throwing in a hybrid approach or having a down day a week and with an up day after that, you know, just a little bit of more variety. There's nothing wrong with consistency if it works. Exactly. For your body. I, I agree. But in it, you know, as you watch people struggle through this and they think, well, that person is, oh, she lost all that weight. She's only eating 22 hours. I have to do that myself. And right. Sometimes, but not always. Right. And that person has a different gut microbiome than you do yeah. and different metabolic health than you do. Uh, Melanie Avalon just shared a study with me this week that was so fascinating. It had to do with, I'm going to try to see if I can paraphrase it insulin resistant people versus it was women. I think it was obese women who were either insulin resistant or not insulin resistant. Yeah. And they it like randomized them to be with low carb versus low fat. And the ones who were insulin resistant lost weight on low f- carb, but not on low fat. And the ones who were not insulin resistant lost weight on low fat, but not low carb or something. It was fascinating, but it had to do with, you know, they were, they were determined to be insulin resistant based on, I think, fasted insulin levels at the beginning. If they had high fasted insulin levels, you know, they were determined to be insulin resistant, but it just showed that even in that study, their metabolic markers determined how they would lose weight. Right. And so that nobody was failing, neither diet failed anybody. It was just their body was in a different place metabolically. Right. You know, if someone's just been doing a restrictive diet for five years and now suddenly they start fasting, they're going to have different results. See, for me, when I started fasting, the time that stuck in 2014, I had just gone through some years of complete giving up. Right. Where I was just eating all the time. And as much as I felt like I wanted, I was trying to do intuitive eating, but it wasn't working very well and got to my highest weight ever. But I think my my metabolism was probably super boosted Yeah. at that time. It is fascinating to go through these journeys, especially, you know, in your case where you really documented everything, you know, in my case, I was always so thin in high school during track and cross country. My coaches were always wanting, you know, gain some weight, gain some weight. So I was like, Oh, yay. Okay. I get to eat a little extra or, you know, maybe have a few hamburgers a week. But then when it became an issue and it was hard to lose, I really struggled to grasp, I guess that, you know, my body had changed that much. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, if you go through illness and, and I had gone through so much illness. So the other thing I have because of my cancer surgeries is um, lymphedema, okay. which is, you know, insufficient lymph flow because they took out my lymph nodes, but some people are born with it. Right. And because I have that, I get a lot of um, cellulitis infections. I've been hospitalized a few times. So for a while I was having about four or five cellulitis infections a year. Wow. That killed my 
microbiome. I mean, oh yeah. And I felt like I would just start getting back on top of it. And then I'd, mm. you know, it was have like, another one. It was a vicious cycle and fasting has really helped that as well. You know, losing the weight has helped, but also, you know, just eating better and giving my body time to actually heal in between all the eating has helped my arm and my lymphedema. That's fabulous news because, so how many of your lymph nodes did they take out? All level one and level two. Wow. As many as I could find. Wow. I don't even know how many that is. How many is that? You know, I don't remember the count at the time. And then we all have a different number. But so back just this year in September, I had lymphovenous anastomosis for my arm. So what that is, is they inject a dye in between your fingers. It's quite painful. And then that your lymph nodes that you have take up the dye and they follow it and they map it. And then they take your lymph vessel, which is like the thickness of your hair, and they sew it into your veins so that your blood vessels can take away the lymph fluid. That's fascinating. Fascinating. It is. It's an, it's a fairly new procedure. It sounds like it. That they're um, really, they're using it a lot now because they've, they've got it down pat and that's helped my arm a lot too. So, you know, now I'm not getting the infections. My microbiome is getting better because I don't have to be on antibiotics so often. Um, I went for about two years that I had to be on prophylactic antibiotics. So I, you know, those years were really tough. And finding the fasting has really just set my health for me back into a positive direction. It just feels so much better knowing that there are ways that you can really help your body. Even, you know, like I said, if you're not even, even if you're not losing weight with the fasting, you're still helping your health a lot. And that's one of the things that makes me the saddest when someone will ask the question and, and you get it all the time. They'll say, is, are there people that fasting just doesn't work for? And, and that, that's sad. To, I mean, I know that person, I know what they mean. They mean weight loss. Right. But I really wish the one thing I could download into everyone's brain is that fasting is working on something in your body. It's doing good things for you, even in the absence of weight loss. And we can tweak to find something that'll help with weight loss. We, we can always tweak something. It can be what you're eating, when you're eating. You can do Zoe. You can do data-driven fasting. You can change, you know, try keto, try low fat. I mean, there's a million ways you can adjust what you're doing within the paradigm of still doing intermittent fasting. Exactly. Yeah. That, fasting is simple, but our bodies are complicated. Right. And even in our, you know, shorter periods of fasting, you're, you're getting that autophagy. That's your healing. You know, you don't have to fast for four days to have autophagy. Absolutely. You are having cellular turnover daily. So if you're fasting daily, you're helping that cellular turnover, right? Exactly. Clear, clear the body. And I think that just knowing all that just should help give you some hope that eventually if you're losing weight or you want to lose weight and it hasn't caught up to you, that it can come. The healing part of it is huge. So when I had that surgery, I actually gained weight. And at first I thought it was the sourdough, you know, COVID sourdough, (laughs) but I didn't gain weight during COVID. I only gained the eight pounds after that surgery. And I, when I, I kind of got a little, you know, nuts on, I'm like, okay, let's step back here. What's going on? And I realized my body is healing. My body is right. healing. Four months later, that weight just came right back off. But my body had inflammation 
because of their surgery. So, you know, maybe you hurt your knee or maybe you have constant, you know, knee issue that that actually can kind of affect your weight. You know, so give yourself a hundred percent because inflammation comes with water retention. Exactly. So give yourself grace. And, you know, especially you, you're having surgery that's related to your lymph system. I bet you see huge swings in weight. Just, you know, with lymphedema, your weight could probably go up 10, I mean, 15. I don't know. How many pounds can your weight swing? My, well, it's only in my arm, but I can swing a couple of pounds depending on how bad my arm is. People have lymphedema all over their bodies. Some people carry it in their legs. Right. So someone who has it, you know, a really all over the the body kind of of a case of it. I mean, those are the people who start, you know, fasting and they're like, I lost 21 pounds this week or something. Right. right. You know, we've had seemingly sounding crazy results like that from people. And back in the day of the the big and open Facebook groups, you know, someone would come and post, I lost 21 pounds in a week. And people would be so like mean. Yeah. They'd be like, that's impossible. That's not real. You're lying. And I'm like, why would you say that, that to this person who's just, I'm sure it's, the, you know, huge fluid loss for someone who has a huge inflammation fluid issue. Right. And they just but even if you if it's fluid, imagine how much better you would feel not carrying around 21 pounds of fluid. Yeah, the pressure, you know, mm-hmm. I can I know for myself there's a lot of ache and pressure when that fluid is in my right. arm. And when it's gone, yeah, you realize how much fluid is there. I did try weight watchers for a while. Um <laughs> but and that the weigh-ins would drive me nuts because if I went in and I had an infection and I knew my arm was swollen. I knew I was going to be up, but they would never like acknowledge that you might have a medical condition or that there might be something else going on. It was just like, you didn't hit your weight. What did you do wrong this week? Exactly. And then you start to internalize that feeling. And there's no wonder why we feel the the shame right. and like there's something wrong. Like when I was 210 pounds, really, I'll... Probably every moment of my adult life, I've been following some kind of plan. Even when I was, you know, getting up to 210 pounds, I was trying to follow intuitive eating the best I could. Right. Well, I'm just going to follow this. It says eat when you want to, and eventually it'll all work out. I was trying to follow a plan. And so then you blame yourself for not being good enough to follow the plan. It's like, well, if I was as good as them, it would have worked for me. Yeah. And that, so coming from my position too, I, I see that in our group so often and it does, it hurt, you know, makes you feel sad for those people because right. I really want to tell people like you're, you're really healing yourself. So mm-hmm. give yourself grace, like let it take its time. And it's not that you're doing something wrong. It's just that you haven't found the thing that is going to work for you. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's there. You just have to experiment. We're all at study of one. We are a study of one. I'm so happy that I found this lifestyle and I have several friends who are fasting now. So that's kind of fun. And one of them is Beth. One of them is Beth. You brought Beth to fasting. Beth Ray for for listeners. I can't remember what episode number she was. It wasn't. Oh, like three or four ago. Not very long ago. We're we're recording this in May. So it was like in April, an April episode, Beth Ray, W-R-A-Y. So Beth, you brought her to fasting. Tell us about that. So and she was one of the tennis friends. I know she kind of mentioned it in her interview, right. you know, um, seeing me like, what are you doing? What, you know, you're glowing. What's going on here? And I had talked to her about the fasting 
And, and I, when I try to talk about fasting with people, I mean, when people ask me, I should say, I don't try to actually bring it to people unless they ask. I always mention the book. I read this book, Delay, Don't Deny, and exactly what it says. You're going to delay for a while, but you don't, don't deny yourself and get into a habit of fasting and slowly build up and get into a habit of eating better and see what happens. And so she started um, fasting and we have quite a few other friends, actually tennis players fasting along with us, but it just took off for her and it clicked for her like it did for me. And so I like, you have hundreds of people that you've led to fasting and, and see this great success. I have my bath. I, I say, you know, <laughs> now she's a health coach and I'm like, yeah, she's my I girl. love that so much. <laughs> yeah. She went through Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is where I, I studied um, after I got really interested in health and wellness and said, you know, I really would like to go through a program that, you know, just so I have a little certification after my name. I'm a certified health coach, even though I'm not doing one-on-one health coaching, but Beth is, and I yes. love to see that. And I'm going to start that program as well. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love their program. I do. The too. reason I loved it so very much is because you know, that's where I learned the word bioindividuality was through their program. But I had actually just written Feast Without Fear. So it was 2017. And I was had my eye on, knew that I was going to be retiring at the end of 2018. And you know, knew I wanted to continue to do more in the health and wellness space. But I was like, I really would like some sort of credential, some sort of something. So right. I'm not just, you know, just an elementary teacher. But um, I looked at a lot of programs out there and theirs was more expensive and longer than, you know, I could have gotten a whatever somewhere else certification. But what they said really resonated with me, especially after just researching for Feast Without Fear and realizing we're all different. Right. And then that is absolutely what they promote. We really are all different. And you know, they introduce you to what they call the various dietary theories, but the idea that we're all going to respond differently. And there's no shame in doing one versus the other. It's all about finding the match for you. And so if anybody's interested, I have a link to Institute for Integrative Nutrition um, on the Favorite Things tab at jenstevens.com. It's, they have a lot of, I guess they call them visiting instructors, but you, yes. you virtually view the videos. of, And you get really exposed to a lot of different thought, the thought leaders in the world of health and nutrition. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great program. And I, I wish I kind of wish I would have started it last January during COVID, but I didn't, you know, right. So now I'll have to kind of fit it into the lifestyle now that things are ramping back up to normal here. But and my focus, I hope will be to help the folks with lymphedema and, and cancer. You know, that's because I just felt, you know, when I went through it myself, like, well, <laughs> now what? <laughs> what do I right. do now? And my doctor would say, you know, like I said, I don't really know what to do with you. But there was not a lot of um, post-treatment advice. And so I hope that someone who, you know, gets through all this, I can help them. Or even during it, you know, you'll if you're going through cancer treatment, I highly suggest you please speak with your physicians and get their advice on it. Because some cancer treatment just may not work with fasting at the moment. 100%. Yeah, we had someone in the Delay Don't Deny social network the other day who said, I, you know, I've just had, you know, a diagnosis. I was at the emergency department and the doctor there said, you know, something with her, her markers indicated cancer. And he said, immediately stop doing the fasting. And she's like, what do I do? Do I stop the fasting? I'm like, I would, 
you know, follow that advice until you get other advice from someone who actually has looked into what you have. You know, he's trying to be cautious. It's not, you know, don't just assume this is someone who doesn't understand fasting. Maybe this this is a doctor who does understand fasting and cancer and, and realizes yours is not a good fit. Exactly. But you keep looking, you know, until you find it. (laughs) Right. Well, and I have found too, you know, with my doctor's I had to go in for a colonoscopy, you know, your yearly or five yearly colonoscopy. And they're like, oh, how was the, you know, how was the fast for you? And I'm like, well, I've been intermittent fasting, so it was pretty easy. And and they're like, oh, we just started. So I'm having this conversation with the doctor and five nurses in my procedure room before I go in <laughs> about fasting, because they want to hear, you know, all of what I have to tell them. And of course, it was kind of exciting and fun. But, you know, here, these are gastroenterologists fasting for health. Love it. And uh, as I said, my homeopath bought your book and she's been including this and helping people kind of start a fasting lifestyle. And my oncologist is on board. You know, the doctors see the science and they do, and they see the results for the people who are actually doing it. So it's, it's kind of exciting. You know, it's exciting being there. It really is is exciting. Like possibly the most exciting moment of my life was, I don't know, I've had a lot of exciting things in my life. I get excited by little things too, but <laughs> I don't remember when it was. Maybe it was before Fast Feast Repeat came out. So maybe it was early 2020. I'm not sure, but someone shared that they had been watching a, a slideshow about fasting from one of the big medical universities that was putting it on up in the Northeast. I can't even remember now, but in the slide of recommended resources, one of them was delayed on deny. Yeah. Isn't and I'm like, awesome. What? Someone, you know, sent me that. And I was like, this can't be real. I, <laughs> but that is exciting. So this is kind of funny because one year for Christmas, we do this big, you know, gift exchange dice roll thing. And everybody had been saying, Oh, what did you do? What did you do? You look so great. And I had bought three copies of delayed don't deny and wrapped them and put them in that gift exchange. And so and I kind of let the girls know, well, you know, the book's in there. So they were all fighting for it. Everybody's rolling the dice <laughs> and fighting for these three books. It was kind of fun, but that is fun. That book was just a life, life changing. And I love Fast Feast Repeat too. And of course, you know, Dr. Fung reading the obesity mm-hmm. oh, code yeah. really does make you open your eyes to the, the epidemic that is worldwide now. And so I hope that, you know, our, we'll become the, not an epidemic, but the, you know. Exactly. We're a, we're a grassroots opposite of epidemic or yeah. epidemic of goodness. Epidemic right? of goodness of, of teaching yes. people how to eat again and how to, you know, gain, regain your health. You know, you, you look around and there's so many people who are ill, so many people with diabetes, so many people overweight, so many people, I can't walk because my knees hurt. And almost all of those are inflammation, right? Heart disease, cancer, it's all inflammation. At the store yesterday buying pillows and the people in front of me, it was a store that also has a lot of wine and they're buying all this wine. And and the so she asked their age, you know, for the, um, but they, they had, they were like limping, the uh-huh. husband and the wife and they were, you could tell they did not feel well. Yeah. And, and the guy was like, I'm 57. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not very much older than me. Yes. And, and I just wanted to say, Hey, I could help you, but I, of course I don't approach strangers like that. But it is, to, yeah. I do want to because you just, 
I think that we have become the place in the society where we feel like, and I certainly, you know, in 2014, when I was getting bigger and bigger and felt worse and worse, I was like, well, this is just what happens. This is just what you do. You just get older and you get in worse health and you gain weight and you feel bad. But and these I, are I, my genetics and I'm just, is, yeah, I look like my mom, but, but we really can, we can, there's hope. We don't have to age poorly and be in pain and struggle to get around the store. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I look at my non-scale victories too. Like my vision is better. You know, we hear this in the group a lot, but we do. That's inflammation. I mean, it is so many things that are bothering our bodies are, are inflammation driven. And if we're going to, eat better and fast, you know, a portion of the day and focus on really good food. Our bodies really like that. <laughs> you feel they better do. and it motivates you to actually even do more better, right? Like when it's I first true. Started- I can remember when people would start out and they'd say, you know, what happens when you stop and you go back to eating the way you used to? Do you regain the weight? <laughs> We're like, you're not, you're not going to want to do that. You're not going to want to do that. You don't. No. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I get so excited about it. I get so excited about how much better I feel because I really, you know, I really had just fallen into that trap of this is it. I guess this is my life now. And it's not. We can improve. And it, but it might take two years. It might. And it's not, it's not a quick. We didn't get to the state that we were in quickly. Exactly. And so we don't get out of that state quickly either. So how much weight did you lose overall with the fasting? At this point, I'm down 45 pounds. Okay. Which is great. Uh, like I said, I kind of started with a, you know, da- data-driven fasting because I've always, I shouldn't say I've always, but since my second diagnosis of cancer and, and all that treatment, my blood sugars have never been great. Mm-hmm. I've never been diagnosed as type two, but my blood sugars weren't great. And so I really wanted to work on that. That was my focus. And in working on that, I'm my window is maybe a little bit wider than normal, but I'm really focused on eating really quality food. I heard I don't, you know, I kind of jumped onto the um the wine, dry farm <laughs> wines. 
right? Like, you know, oh, this is great. Sugar-free wine. I'm not really drinking very much alcohol at the moment. And this is good. And so I've, you know, lost another five pounds after that. After I lost that eight pounds that I had regained during the surgery, now I'm down another five pounds. So that feels really good. And I feel good. I feel good. I feel energetic and I love to run around my three grandchildren and play and just have a lot of fun with them. And like we, we like to hike as a family. We like to play a lot of tennis and, and be active. And I'm really grateful that I can be active. Yes, definitely. I just, I want to be active for, I want to always be able to do the active things that I want to do, even though, you know, I'm not an exerciser in quotation marks. (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I always laugh about that. You tell that story about you go hiking. You went hiking with your sister, I think. With my purse. (laughs) In your purse and your sandals. You crack me up. I listen to those podcasts and I just sit here and laugh out loud sometimes. Well, that's really, you know, and, and Sherry Bullock likes to laugh because she told the story one time of like, she the first time she came to my house, I was going to cook dinner and she's like, I was in the kitchen in a blouse and I'm like, let me put on a different shirt for cooking. And she said, I came out in a different blouse. <laughs> <laughs> you can see me. I'm in a blouse. Yep. This is just the way I dress. You're a Southern girl. You can see me. I'm in a sweatshirt because I'm going to go outside uh, yeah. later and... <laughs> I get dressed for the day. I might have a purse, probably. That's, awesome. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. You know, I, I want to circle back to that that one part of your journey that you just mentioned again after the surgery when you gained eight pounds and you didn't freak out. And that is so important because you could have been like, oh no, fasting has stopped working. What's wrong? Well, I will admit, I, I thought, well, maybe it's time to try ADF. Right. So I kind of joined the, you know, ADF groups that we have and seeing what people did. And what I realized for me, honestly, and I'm TMI, but I, if I fast too long, I have a real hard refeed. My stomach does not. Okay. That's good info to share. Mm -hmm. So I went to ADF. Would we say like gastric dumping? Yes. Just kind of, yes. I mean, just awful. But a lot of that too, because my microbiome is so poor and Zoe, the Zoe testing really showed me it was worse than I had even hoped. Well, I bet that the, a lot of that has to do with, you know, you've been through all that chemotherapy. It, well, it was. And all, all those antibiotics. All the antibiotics. And I mean, I don't know. I've never seen a study. That would be interesting. I've never seen a study on chemotherapy in your gut microbiome, but it can't possibly make it better. Oh, it destroys all the new cells. So anything that's new and regenerating quickly, it destroys your gut microbiome is an important player in your blood sugar reaction. So, you know, you you know that since your gut is in poor health overall, that affects right. your, your blood sugar. Which, which learning all this now on my own through this journey mm-hmm. makes me more motivated to do better. It really does. Right. It makes me more me motivated too. to eat better. That's the thing that's so important, and and I think you and I feel the same way. We're not choosing to eat in a different way out of diet mentality or or restriction mentality, but over a, wow, if I nourish my gut microbiome with these delicious Brussels sprouts that I also love now, it's helping me be healthier, and I understand why. It's not diet mentality. It's diet vitality. Yeah, I love that. Diet vitality. I want to be vital. I want to feel good. I want to look, you know, when people look at you and they say, you're glowing, what are you doing different? You feel good about that. It's just a good feeling and it it helps motivate you to keep going. I did. So when I did do the ADF briefly, I did do the 500 calorie. The down day with the 500 calories. Mm -hmm. 
I did. And that helped. I could do ADF with that. But I started getting, for me, it started feeling too restrictive. And so that, it didn't last very long for me. But then I started dropping that weight. And then I realized, well, it actually wasn't all those things. It, was it wasn't fat gain. It was inflammation. Right. So, you know, the things that can cause you, you suddenly, you know, pack on some pounds that aren't really fat, surgery, illness. People with coronavirus have reported yeah. it. Yes. Like they gain a lot of weight after coronavirus, but it's inflammation and it's your body fighting through, you know, whatever exactly. it's doing. The healing process often comes with increased inflammation as that's happening. And you didn't just gain a bunch of fat. I mean, maybe you have gained some fat, but that's it. The inflammation is usually, you know, fluid of some way. Some starting a new exercise program All of can also cause that stress. Stress. A lot of stress, mm-hmm. even if you're not eating more, you know, people will say, I'm not eating anything. I'm so stressed out, but I'm still gaining weight. Boy, our bodies really try to keep us alive and we really have to just learn to listen to them. So that that's probably my biggest takeaway through all this is really just help your body, help, help your body, help you. And some of so much of it is mental, you know, like you said, you know, gosh, I didn't do it right. So it didn't work for me. And what right. did I do wrong? Well, maybe it was one key thing. Maybe it was the maybe it was the rice. I found out I love rice. I can't eat rice. Rice shoots my blood sugar up 150 points. Wow! But I can eat a potato and I and be fine with it. I do better with rice than pasta. But you know, if you look at a glycemic index, that makes no it, sense. It makes they should no be sense. the same. Exactly. <laughs> but I can eat rice all day long. Well, I don't eat all day long. You know what I mean? I can eat rice all eating one day long and be fine and am very satisfied. But if I have pasta, I'm starving later. Right. And that's learning and, you know, taking the time to really learn those things about yourself. I still eat pasta, but still. I love pasta. But <laughs> I just know I'm more likely to be hungry later. Right. Doesn't, it doesn't with me the way that rice does but rice i'm good to go and that kind of that reminds me like that's just data right you don't have to not eat pasta but you have the data that says i know i'm going to be hungry so what can i help how can i help myself not be hungry well you're going to learn that for me it may be with my pasta i'm going to have a big portion of chicken breast or fish i need a little more protein add some protein in there i definitely a vegetarian pasta dish is a no i'm going to be starving if i eat a vegetarian pasta dish right right yeah so it's not gonna work you know learning all the data it's it's just it's kind of exciting it's it makes me feel in control again and that's it really does that's really fun but a vegetarian rice dish, I'm fine. Yeah. So it, it is. It's so interesting. So we are almost out of time. I feel like we could have talked for another hour. I know. Uh, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I have thought about this because, of course, I listened to all the podcasts and, you know, listened to everybody's stories and like, what did they wish they had known? And I think because I started, as I said, with the mindset, I'm doing this to make my body better that the weight loss was a surprise and a bonus. I, so if I had to, I wish I would know that actually works. I wish when I started, I would have known definitively that I would learn so much about my body and what my body needs and what my body wants to have a wonderful and healthy life and feel good, feel good. And the weight loss was the bonus. Really was. I love this. So you've learned what your body wants and also what it doesn't want. Right. 
Yep. And listening. It, it, the way that it allows us to reconnect and hear what our body is telling us. Exactly. Yeah. That's really the biggest miracle. Patience. Patience. Everything is just data. Even weighing. Weighing is just data. Don't get upset if your weight goes up two pounds after you felt like you did so well for three days straight. Maybe it was the fourth day before the weigh-in that caused the weight to go up. Maybe it was the extra walk and you have a little extra fluid. It's just data. So try to just look at it and say, hmm, okay, let's learn from this instead of, oh no, it's not working. I got (laughs) to starve myself tomorrow. Right, right. Time to do a 48-hour fast. No. No, (laughs) Do not ever do a fast in response to a scale fluctuation. Exactly. Yeah. So patience and give yourself grace. Well, thank you so much, Shanoa, for being here today. And I have loved talking to you. Oh, it was so nice to meet you. I hope we get to go on a cruise someday. I'm still waiting for the cruise. One day, I think we will, or we're we're going to do something on land. Once it's safe, it, even if cruises are not back to normal, we'll do something on land. That'd be so much fun. It was so nice to meet you, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.